Welcome to the Lead Team Podcast. Every week, the Lead Team at Tate Springs will review our Sunday services, everything from the message to worship and whatever else comes to our minds. Let's dive in. All right, well, welcome to another Lead Team Podcast. We're so grateful that you're you are tuning in and taking some time to spend with us. We are recording on a Monday, the day after Sunday, and uh, Curtis is on vacation. So it is just Ron, Jason, and myself here today. And uh, we're just going to get right to it today, I say. And so I've been thinking about, I was just telling the guys, I've been thinking about the questions, the prompt questions that we ask on this. And and so I read a blog or an article. I don't I know what, what's the difference between the two, but I read something last week. And um, something on the internet, something on the internet. So, you know, it's legit. And um, so anyways, I had uh, seen some questions and I kind of rephrased them a little bit. And uh, really, I think we're just going to test this out, see how it goes. But uh, we're going to start asking two questions. And we're also going to implement in the newsletter the opportunity for you, if you're listening, um, we're going to publicize this starting this week. If you're listening and you have questions about the sermon, then you can email them to me, Jared at tatesprings.com. You spell my name J-A-R-E-D. And you can send them in and we'll answer them right here on the podcast live. So here are the here are the, uh, the first of the two questions. What was the most memorable part of yesterday's service? And so that opens it up. What was the most memorable part of yesterday's service? The most memorable part the thing that stuck with me the most that has stayed in my memory that has caused me to reflect and think upon this is called stalling (laughs) i could see there are so many memorable things um so much chapter 9 of 11 it's just there's so there was a lot and honestly um it was the illustration uh the the puzzle one that i loved when you talked about justice and the puzzle, and you you spoke about like the, big the Ninja puzzle. Turtle puzzle, the Ninja Turtle puzzle, yes. But then you brought yeah, it's out totally Justice's puzzle, not mine, of course. Yeah. Yeah. But then you brought out the puzzle that Justice will do, and he gets bored with it. And I thought that was an excellent way to speak of how we want to treat God in our lives, and how we want life to go, and what we what we think we can do. Mm-hmm. But then we realize, no, in fact, we need help putting the puzzle together. Yeah. Um. So that. It was actually just a really great action illustration of just connecting ourselves to understanding how we often treat God. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, what I had, I appreciate that. What I had thought of when you get to the end of Romans 11. So we took Romans 9, 10 and 11 all together, which we could have quite frankly spent months in those three chapters. Um, But, you know, in my experience, I've seen people who go through Romans for years, and we can do that. But there's always this tension because, you know, for example, I said, well, we're going to go through these three chapters because it's one argument, but the whole book of Romans is one argument. So then you could say, well, why don't you just preach Romans? And you could say, well, the whole Bible is one argument. So there is always this tension between where do you start and where do you stop with the uh, with the passage. But in the context of Romans, Paul, uh, as we said yesterday, he uh, is talking about suffering in uh, in Rome. You know, we're living in a modern iteration of Rome. Suffering exists. And his solution is something that most people don't think about, which is, hey, God is sovereign. That's the answer. And I always laugh because the problem of evil, uh, philosophically, which always says, well, 
uh, evil exists or God is said to exist and evil exists and God is supposed to be all good and all sovereign, but because evil exists, it either means he is not all sovereign because he can't do anything about it, or it means that he's not good because he can do something about it, but he won't. Therefore, there is no such thing as God, a good and, and sovereign God. And that's how it's usually posed. The problem with that though, is uh, first off, you're assuming God in the, uh, in the equation. And if you're assuming God in the equation, then you have to understand that there's more than just good and sovereign. You have to understand what that means for God to be good and God to be sovereign. And Paul answers that. He says, God is the one who has the right to say and define and create, and and that's just God. And so it's not our idea of sovereignty. It's God's idea of sovereignty and so on and so forth. And, uh, and also, when you remove God from the equation, which you can't, you're still left with evil. And that's all there is left is no God and only evil. And, uh, and so you still have the problem of evil without any kind of solution. So the whole problem to me has these inherent issues and problems, and uh, people have talked about it for, uh, for centuries. But Paul does something that I think Christians tend to not do, uh, which is he just, leans, he just leans straight into God's sovereignty. He says, man, God is sovereign. In fact, he's, he's already not only solved the problem of suffering, but he did it before time began. And, um, and so then, of course, we're like, what? How does that work? How does that make sense? And so Paul anticipates those questions, and he asks six of them in Romans 9, 10, and 11. We only looked at a few of them, uh, summarized and, and combined some uh, just for Tom's sake. And then he gets to the end, and, he, and he's like, listen, if you still don't understand it, let me just tell you, God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Who has become his counselor? You know, um, who knows the mind of the Lord? And, uh, and we, should just, we should be in awe of who God is. Uh, rather than trying to put him on on the witness stand, and uh, and so that was where the puzzle comes in, which is that it's okay for us to look at the puzzle and say, "I need some help with this," and understanding that we cannot solve it without our Father's help. So, yeah, one thing's come to mind when you said that about sovereignty was I use this a lot in my prayer when I'm visiting someone in the hospital or funeral and stuff. Is that is a very chaotic time where people feel like things are out of control. And maybe in, in their lives compared to what they thought it should be like, it is. Yeah. But I remind them that whether we feel like it or not, or whether it seems like it or not, we know God is sovereign and we know he is in control. Yeah. Um, let's let's lean into that because, you know, in times like this, is that's all we got. Yeah. Um, when, yeah. And it's really that. I mean, it's really that simple. And there's so much to it. And Paul... I mean, he, he doesn't just give us, like we talked about, are we all just like stupid lumps of dough? You know, we joked afterwards about, we should put that on a t-shirt. Like <laughs> I'm not a stupid lump of dough. And, um, but we're not, you know, that's, that's the natural kind of like response to the idea of what Paul is saying is, well, if God foreknew us and he predestined us and he called us and justified and glorified, if he's totally in control of all that, then where do I come in? Am I just a robot? And Paul says, well, you know, uh, here's an illustration I didn't give yesterday because I thought it would just not work. So I'm going to say it here. Uh, <laughs> cutting room floor here, stuff. Right? <laughs> so I have, I've shared, I think I've shared with you guys, our kids, Hannah and Bethany have gotten into Pokemon trading card. And I've also gotten into Pokemon trading card game. And so with Catch them. them <laughs> and Turtle, that's a great theme song, Ninja Turtle puzzles too. And um, so it's fun. Like we sit on the floor from the fireplace and we play, it's a card game. And, um, 
So we uh, that game is the perfect game. It is amazing. I don't know how they've done it, but if you've never heard of it, I'm sure you've heard of it, but if you've never played it, it's basically these cards and there are Pokemon with names and they have HP, which is their health points, and then they have damage that they do. So, you know, there's this Pokemon, let's just say the most famous one, Pikachu, he's got 70 health points and he can do 50 damage. And then you have Bethany or Hannah, they have their Pokemon and it has 100 health points. I know this is podcast, so you can't see my face, but I'm just smiling and nodding right now. Just listen, though. Listen, though. And they have so Ron, what did you think about the service yesterday? <laughs> I've lost them. If I've lost them, I've lost the listeners too. Nevertheless, um, then Bethany will have hers. It may have a hundred health uh, health points, but maybe thirty damage. The point is, you you put these like Pokemon against one another, and the math works out perfectly. It is the the perfectly balanced game. Pokey math. Yes, Pokemon. There you go. And so I'm playing it and I'm like, this is amazing because there's all these various nuances of the game, but it all works out. And then here's here's what I was here's the point. There are even baked into the this game, sometimes there's chance baked in. So like on one move, it's like you can do 30 damage, but if you hit if you flip a coin and it's heads, then you can do 20 more damage. So it's like they don't know, the makers of the game do not know whether or not it's going to be head or tails. But because they have perfectly balanced the game, they have baked in that choice for the meaningful choice for the player and still retain the perfect balance. So it doesn't, the, the illustration doesn't work perfectly because God doesn't leave things up to chance. But what God d- has done is he's created his creation according to his perfection He's perfectly balanced it in his own mind and, and in his own way. And we still make choices and uh, these choices still matter and they don't mess up the balance of, of God's creation, you know? And so how it all works, the point is at the end of Romans 11, we can't comprehend it. And the question is, because we can't comprehend it, will we therefore not like God? Or will we say, eh, you know, God, that's what makes us different than God. And we have to learn when we don't understand his mind, will we trust his heart? I think sometimes that question, like that you just said, will we like God? I, I kind of had an adverse reaction to that because it isn't about liking him, honestly, that on that day when we see him, it really won't be a, a like or a, a love or anything, at least in my opinion. from It's more, I think, going to be in awe. Yeah, It's going to put us to our knees. There will be a power that we will have never comprehended. But that's what Paul's saying at the yeah. end of Romans. He's, yeah. he's trying to help us to understand when you understand how high God is, it actually does put you in awe of him. And, and are we going to, are we going to rest in that right now? There's a lot of research coming out that shows that, that people, that the idea of God, there used to be, you know, the four horsemen of the, uh, of atheism and, uh, you know, there was this postmodern movement that was very intellectual and epistemological, which is just a fancy way of saying, let's philosophically argue against God and we can prove to you through logic that God doesn't exist. And people uh, got tired of that pretty quickly. And now a lot of the research coming out is that people, it's not that people don't believe in God. It's that they, they don't like him and they don't like his measurement of holiness. And so there's a lot of, well, I'm spiritual and I think God could exist, but I really just don't like the kind of things he tells me to do. Or not do. Yeah, and so that's kind of where we're at. So this is a really fundamental issue for us, I think, um, not just theologically understanding 
the relationship between God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. But thinking about, are we like, like what Jason said, do we stand in awe of God or do we just kind of walk away saying, I don't really like that. I can't fully grasp this. And because of that, I'm mad or I don't like you or I don't agree with you. And that's where uh, idolatry and all the other things come in. So uh, second question is what action steps can we take away from yesterday's service? Like if we, if you're sitting there listening, what's the thing that God has kind of like gave you in your heart? And I have a couple stories of a couple church members I talked with this to share with you what, uh, what the Lord did in their heart, but what, what action steps do you walk away with from yesterday? Well, the comment I was going to make, which probably doesn't answer your question, is um, I really liked the the fairness. Um, so I, I do think I can take some of this away as far as how to understand fairness better. But I did, I really did like the illustration of the that uneven start. Mm. Um, I get that a lot as far as God's not fair. Why why does good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people and all you know stuff like that? Just not fair. Um, and so grasping the fact that just because we don't feel like it's fair doesn't mean it's not fair. Um, even if it doesn't look like it, doesn't sound like it, doesn't smell like it, it in God's eyes, it's still fair. I didn't know uh, fair had a smell. <laughs> uh, there's there's some fair, foul, foul smell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, but it helped um, me to be able to explain better to other people of how, how God's fairness yeah, it really is. We don't yeah. want it to be fair. our perspective. You know, like I remember, I remember actually being a kid and sitting in the stands and looking on a track and thinking, "How come those people are getting a head start?" You know, and it didn't seem, uh, it didn't seem fair, it didn't seem right. But that was because my pers- my understanding was limited. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I've gotten older and I understood distance and math, I've come to understand, oh, that actually does make sense. And I think the same thing can be said of us. So I think the action for me is you know comparison to to others uh is i think the biggest way sometimes that we then in turn look at god and say why Mm, and so i think of uh i think it's in first thessalonians where paul you look at me sometimes you're like why god would you make him so handsome and me not so handsome i am always jealous of that beard (laughs) Um, i'm very jealous of that beard every sunday when i look at it i'm like wow it's grown together it's not not the mutton you know it's filling in (laughs) a kid yesterday told me you look like Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> I don't know what you're like. Gabe from the office. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, you're you're being spiritual, and I'm. It's all good, man. Good. We we you know going back and forth between those worlds very easily. Um, so you know the action for me is not to one focus on others, but then also not to focus on myself. Not mm-hmm. look at my circumstances and think those create the sum of who I am. Yeah, um, that's but, good. Yeah. But rather to look at the God who created this universe. And I think this is where our vision captures its heart is when we look at God's story and we think about what he's trying to do, we can focus less on, okay, how do I get everything I want to do to get done? Rather, we just trust the Lord, you know, to fulfill his purposes and his ways through us. And we trust that he will then allow us things in our lives that do fulfill us, that Mm -hmm. do give us hope. Yeah. And, you know, enjoyment in this world. Yeah. That makes me think of the psalmist who said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. Right. And I think um, that's something that I've been thinking a lot about lately is. Bow, th- bow, bow, I'm not following. Big, big house. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. 
audio in my father's house. That actually goes. That actually goes with what I was about to say. So, we're Jason and I. We're we're millennials, and millennials tend to be, uh, you know, world changers. We always we kind of think driven. Yeah, and so that and what we've learned, I'm seeing a lot of burnout in millennials because we've realized, yeah, maybe I can't uh, save the world. It's pointless. You can't do anything. You might as well. Ecclesiastes, right? Yeah. Vanity. And so we we kind of had this, uh, you know, I'm gonna be the the one who finally cures world hunger, and we've realized newsflash: you are not the one. We can't. So I am not the one. We're not Keanu. None Reeves. of us are chosen, except. Oh boy, I just opened a can of worms. <laughs> He's not talking about theologically there. He's just, but I think though what what the Lord's shown me, the older I get, is that just because I can't proverbially save the world doesn't mean that I, I I don't matter, you know, or that I don't have a part in the story or whatever. So like sitting around a dinner table with the kids and praying with them, like justice last night, I'm tucking them in. He's like, daddy, can we pray? You know, and I'm like, this, this is changing the world. Yep. And it is, it's playing our part in God's story and not worrying about out how big or small we think it is, but just understanding that because I'm in God's story, that's good enough. And when when God does that in your heart, it's it's awesome. And so let me share a couple of stories that the Lord uh, did in people's hearts yesterday. So we had Mary Statton come up during the first time to seven a long time, she came and just said, I, I want to rededicate my life um, to uh, to just telling people about Jesus. And for whatever reason, this is what was amazing to me is, is that we're talking about predestination and someone comes up and says, I want to rededicate my life to tell more people that God loves them. And I think that's Paul's point. What we tend to do when we talk about predestination is we tend to think about who's out and we go the opposite direction. But Paul doesn't do that. He's talking about like he he talks about the hardening of Pharaoh's heart and that we're clumps of dough, lumps of dough. And then he says, oh, by the way, anyone who confesses Jesus as Lord can be saved. And we forget about that and we dissect that out of this conversation of God's foreknowledge. And uh, and I've heard it said before, I didn't craft a sentence yesterday it's a it's a historical statement that the cross is sufficient for all and only efficient for those who confess Jesus as Lord. And so I think it's that simple. So sometimes we sit and sit and think, well, who's chosen? Am I chosen? Are you chosen? How do I know? If I don't know you're chosen, why would I share the gospel with you? And and uh, and really, because we know that God is sovereign and that the cross is sufficient for all and that he has foreknown people, that ought to fuel us to evangelism. And that's what uh, I think landed is an action step on people's hearts. And I talked to another member who said, you know, I've been getting discouraged about praying for my brother because he's just not responded, but I was just reminded today to not give up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that's what, that's what Paul wants awesome. to leave us with. So, um, so anything else before we uh, let our listeners go today? All right. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, we're going to look at Romans 12. We're going to talk about living sacrificially. There's a lot of, uh, content in Romans 12 about the Christian life. Now that we know that God is live action sacrifice. Um, this is news to me. (laughs) And, uh, so yeah, so we're going to bow out before. So I was, okay, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Taking Um, the next step in your leg. Thankfully we don't have to do that anymore. (laughs) Um, but the, it uh, is the Lord's supper next week. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So we will be, uh, 
living sacrificially. Yeah. That'll be cool. I didn't think about the connection yeah. there. So yeah, we'll make the connection. I did. Romans 12. <laughs> I've been, and I've been thinking Supper. about this. It'll be Bethany's first one. Oh, wow. That's Shout awesome. That. Yeah. That's cool. So uh, yeah, we're talking about living sacrificially. And essentially what that means is Paul says things like, think of others better than yourself. Mm. Man, that's that's hard for yeah. us to, to digest in our uh, in our modern day Rome that t- teaches us Toby Keith theology. So I want to talk about me, myself, talk and I. Talk about me. Talk about I. Uh, number one, number one, no me, oh, oh my, me, oh my, yeah, yeah. All right, guys, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. At Tate Springs, we want to help you discover your part in God's story. Connect with us at tatesprings.com. We'll see you next time.